One, two, three. One, two, three.
Hello. Yep. If you would please join in standing as we sing, Our God, He is Alive. There is
Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the West Irwin Church of Christ. So good to see you all. So, so good. If you're visiting, thank you so much for uh, spending your time with us this morning. We're so glad to have you. Um, I hope that you'll uh, look around, meet some new people, and uh, we're just so excited to have you. And also, for everyone joining online, uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we are celebrating today. It's a big, big day because the Family Life Center is going to be a Family Life Center again. It's not just a family center. There's going to be life in it. And so after church, directly after, we are having an all-church luncheon. I hope you'll head over there. I know that uh, Mr. Jonathan Stone is whooping up some chicken for us right now. That is going to be very, very good. And so I hope that you'll... Actually, it's Raising Cane's, I believe. Um, So you'll be good. But head over that way, uh, go eat some lunch. That is directly after service. And also, continuing on with the, the celebration thing, uh, we have a couple of new members that I want to recognize this morning. So this is Jeff and Melinda Terrell. Uh, if you would stand up, so, so happy to have you. Hey, there you are. Nice to see you. So, so glad to have you here as a part of our West Irwin family. Um, been so, so blessed in my time here by this family, and we're glad to have you. Um, I am thankful for cooler weather. I, I woke up this morning, looked on my phone, and it said 65. I'm thankful for the cooler weather, and there's rain in the forecast coming up. And uh, honestly, I am just thankful for all of you. Uh, last weekend, I wasn't here, and I, I really missed you guys. And so it's good to see you all thankful for this place and thankful for this family. I want to read Psalm 100 this morning, continuing on from what Kelly Ross led. It says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Would you pray with me? Dear God, we come before you this morning as your people, as your church, coming together to worship you and to thank you for the life you've given us and the promise that you've given us of, of heaven eternal. We thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for the change of the seasons and the break in the weather. Thank you for the rain that we've had. It's been a very long and hot summer for all of us. We're thankful that fall is in the air. Dear God, we want to pray for uh, some of our members that are having health issues and others that are related to all of us. We want to pray for uh, Donnie Carnathan and Phil Martz. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that they will... um, recover from their ailments and that the treatments that they have will be adequate to restore them to their health. Pray also, dear Heavenly Father, for Judy Ham's nephew, Wesley, and pray that he will continue to recover from his accident. We want to pray, dear Heavenly Father,
Diane's mother, Charlene Hubbard. We pray to her Heavenly Father as she um, goes through the last stages of this life and will soon pass to be in your arms that, that she will be at peace. and comfortable and without pain. We're thankful, dear Heavenly Father, for uh, so many things in this life, and we're, uh, we're thankful for the promise of heaven for all of us. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, also for Danny Dobbs and his family with the loss of his brother recently. Pray that you'll give them strength and the comfort in knowing that this promise of heaven is real, that is beyond description of words in our human language to describe, and is our ultimate goal for all of us. We pray also, dear Heavenly Father, for Lauren Deliveday's family and the loss of her brother not too long ago, and we pray, dear Heavenly Father, that they will find strength through you to undergo the difficult days ahead as we lose all these people that we cherish and love so much. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that we, as Christians, know where they are going and they're in your arms. And that is uh, the goal for all of us in this life, that we attain that ultimate reward that is beyond description. Pray dear Heavenly Father for Galen Siegler and his treatment that he has for lymphoma, and we pray to our Heavenly Father that that will be successful. He is such a great servant of you, and uh, we pray for his continued health, that he will be able to help work at this church and, and uh, help continue to lead by just being the example of the man of God that he is. Dear Heavenly Father, we live in a country with many, many freedoms, and we are so thankful for those freedoms that most of the rest of the world only can dream of. We've had a lot of people move across this country to our community in this state searching for the freedoms that they so desire. And we know, dear Heavenly Father, that those, those people are a mission field for us that we can show Christ to them and hopefully lead them to you. Many are looking for you here as well. We know, dear Heavenly Father, no matter what freedoms we enjoy in this life, there's only one freedom that, that really matters. There's only one freedom that in the end matters at all. None of the rest of them even hold a candle to it. And that's the freedom from sin. The freedom from sin that we're guaranteed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that provides us the path to communicate with you as well as commune with you and also know our destiny after this life is through. We pray to your Heavenly Father as your church that we will think differently than the rest of the world. We pray to your Heavenly Father we will act different from the rest of the world. We pray, dear Heavenly Father, that we will talk different from the rest of the world. 
We pray, dear Heavenly Father, our focus will be different from the rest of the world. That we have purpose in this life. We have direction in this life. And we know that this life is passing and all these things in this world will soon pass as well. But you will never will. You are eternal. And we want to spend eternity with you. We come together this morning as your church, dear God, to worship you. And we pray that everything that we do this morning will be in accordance to your will and your desire. We fail you, dear Heavenly Father, and fail you very often. Unfortunately, we always seem to have one foot in this world and, and hopefully one foot in the spiritual world with you. But our, our physical bodies and minds sin often, dear Heavenly Father, and for that we pray that you will forgive us for all those. It's not our intent. We wish to be at one with you, but we have a hard time doing that, honestly. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that he made for us and the promise of salvation. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty, is mighty. see everyone here and I'm thankful for the cooler weather as well. I read somewhere in a book a long time ago, 
about sacrifice. And whether or not you really truly love somebody is determined by whether uh, you're willing to sacrifice a lot for them. It's easy sometimes to make a sacrifice, even if you have to give it all away, make the ultimate sacrifice. You do that for a child or a spouse, a parent or a sibling, somebody that's a very, very close friend. But would you be willing to sacrifice and really demonstrate your love and pay that ultimate sacrifice for somebody that hated you, somebody that ridiculed you? Well, that's exactly what Jesus Christ did many years ago. He uh, laid down his life, was hung on that horrible cross for people that uh, in many cases hated him, ridiculed him, some that made fun of him and laughed at him. Still to this day that goes on. But Jesus Christ laid down his life. And uh, quite frankly, we're in that bunch. You know, we weren't there. We weren't alive at that time. But we're responsible for his death. He did that. He sacrificed it all because of his love. That's, that's the true definition of love in many respects is sacrifice. How much are you willing to sacrifice? Well, he sacrificed it all. He allowed himself to be hung on that cross. He allowed himself to be beaten and mocked and everything. And uh, he did this for people that he knew until the end of time were going to do that uh, to him. But he made that sacrifice because of his love. Sacrifice equals love. And uh, that's what Jesus Christ did on that particular day. And if that doesn't get your attention, my friends, I just don't know what will. Let's bow together and pray, shall we? Dear Lord, we come before you, and uh, as we partake of this loaf, which represents your son's blood, may we remember the sacrifice that he made, the price that he paid, so that we could have the freedom, as Wade mentioned earlier, from our sins. We thank you, Father, for your son, for his love, and for your love. And as we partake, may we do so in a manner that you find acceptable and well-pleasing. And these things we ask in Jesus' sweet name. Amen.
shall we? Our Father in heaven, again, we come before you, and as we partake of this fruit of the vine, which represents your son's blood, help us to always be mindful of the fact that uh, this, this blood that your son shed, it cleanses our souls until they're whiter than snow in your sight. We know, Father, that the, there, there is no way that we could ever be justified in your eyes without the suffering and death and resurrection of your son Jesus and again father as we partake of this fruit of the vine uh, may we do so in the manner that you find uh, upright and pleasing may we do so with a uh, thankful heart and these things we ask in Jesus name amen
Separate and apart from the Lord's Supper, the elders set this time every set this time aside each week so that we as Christians can give back to the Lord some of the many uh, blessings that he's given to us. Uh, the spiritual blessings just by themselves are just absolutely tremendous uh, what uh, uh, the Lord has given to us, but the physical blessings, the, uh, the, the opportunity that we have each day to go out and work and generate the things that make life so good for all of us. But at this time, it's our honor and privilege to give back to the Lord a portion of what he's uh, allowed us to have. Everything that we have comes from the Lord, so we give back a part to thank him for the many things that he's done to bless us. Let's pray, shall we? Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the many blessings of life. We thank you for our homes. We thank you for our health. Uh, we thank you for uh, the cooler weather. And we thank you so much, Father, for just the uh, chance to be alive. Uh, we pray, Father, for those that are going through difficult times, those that may have health issues, those that recently lost loved ones, uh, those that are just uh, having problems, and we ask that you be with them. But always help us to remember, Father, to give back to you what you've given back to us. Help us to do so with a uh, cheerful countenance, a thankful heart. We thank you, Father, again, to be alive. We're thankful more than anything to be a part of your kingdom and for the spiritual blessings that we have through your son, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I spent 13 years in full-time youth ministry, so I have a deep place of love in my heart for that phase of life. Uh, this church, uh, years, uh, several years ago, did a massive renovation in our children's wing, and you can see the fruits that have come from that as well. You know, I always struggled with, I even joked about this with, with Nathan Turner this morning, as he's uh, serve, helping serve this morning. I saw him walking the long road from the lighthouse over to the college young adults class. And I struggled with that transition and how we deal with that as a church. Uh, we, we put so much time and finances and, and emotional investment into the first 18 years of your life. And then kind of we just go, well, here you go. <laughs> Good luck for the rest of your life. Find your place. Coming up in a couple of weeks, in about a month now, uh, we are bringing something here that we've never done anything like that at West Irwin. It's called uh, the Living with Loss Workshop. And you hear that, and I think you may see the logo below it. If you can read that, it says Widowhood Workshop. Um, back in 2013, um, a preacher uh, by the name of Dean Miller on Christmas morning lost his wife uh, very unexpectedly. And found himself in a place where he was experiencing loss in life that he was completely unprepared for. That nothing in life up until that point could have possibly prepared him for it because there was nothing out there to do so. Many of you are in the same position I am where you've experienced loss that you did not have a desire to encounter and yet that is the card that life handed you nonetheless. When we hear terms like widowhood, when we hear 
terms like widows and widowers, we understand what the Bible has to say about that, about what pure religion looks like, that it is the church's job to care for those people who find themselves in that situation. And we have a, a wonderful portion, a wonderful piece of our church who finds themselves in that phase of life. This workshop that we're bringing in is something that Dean himself started because he realized we need to prepare ourselves for the inevitability of loss in this life, whether it is the loss of a spouse through death. I mean, chances are, if you read my, the, uh, my bulletin article is about this this morning, that one of two people in the relationship is going to end up at some point by themselves. Are we prepared for the emotional toll that that will bring? Do we know what to do with our life then after that point? Are we just floundering? Do we feel like we've lost our purpose even if we've lost our partner? And so I think when people hear something like this, our immediate thought is that's not for me. And I can unequivocally tell you that you're wrong. If that's your first thought, it's like, I'm, I'm not a widow yet. I'm not someone who finds myself in that phase of life. That's one of the reasons Dean want, pushes the idea that this is not just for when we lose our spouses. This is for when we find ourselves with unexpected loss in our life. Who do we turn to? How do we still find community? What do we do with this newfound place in our lives? And so it's going to be a two-day workshop. This, week, uh, this past week, uh, we sent out flyers to a lot of area churches. I'm going to be talking with local churches individually this week. So if you know somebody who might find themselves, whether they are a widow, a widower, uh, or somebody who has just experienced great loss in their life and feel empty, without direction, not knowing what to do with themselves, um, this, is, this is for them. Dean will host a workshop uh, on Saturday, and we will have this as an insert in our bulletin here in a couple of weeks, so you'll see what that looks like, and then, as well as a combined class on Sunday morning and preaching as well. And so we want to encourage you to be, in, at the very least, to join us in prayer for that, because we have so many wonderful people in this church who find themselves in this place, this, this phase of life. And the idea behind it is that we prepare ourselves before that day comes so that we can have a deep emotional, spiritual connection and a connection with other people that will help us carry, carry us through times like this. And so I ask you to be in prayer for that. And if you know someone that um, you feel like this could benefit, point in my direction. Uh, I'm also working with a, a core group of women who are taking the lead on this. And I can point you to one of them as well, uh, which is probably what I will do. And so if you would like to do that, um, please be in prayer for this very important and hopefully encouraging event that we have coming up. Uh, if you own a Ford pickup, Texas license tag S as in Sam, F as in Frank, W as in William, 8534, SFW8534. Ken Culpepper is going to be in the back. And when we stand to sing this song before the message, if you could go back and he needs to uh, find you and um, uh, let you know what's going on with your nice truck. SUV. SUV, SUV not a pickup. There you go. There you go. We're all wondering now. Yeah, let's all stand for the excitement. <laughs> yeah, right? No, hang on, hang on. So it's time for our blast program and for the young kids to be going. If we would, please also pass your cards to the inside aisles.
for our young man to come by and pick them up. So in preparation for Bill's lesson today, we're going to be singing, Oh, Praise the Name. We've sung this song a few times, and we've been learning it as well during our singing class. So it's pretty easy to follow along with. And I just want to know, I just want to point out a fact, if you guys don't mind real quick. Wade, I really appreciate your prayers. I hear the conviction, the love, not just for your family, but for all as concerned. And we thank you and love you as an elder. Thank you. I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus fled and died for me.
As you know, a month or so ago, we were able to have Keith Lancaster of Acapella here for a Praise and Harmony Song Fest workshop. And that was such a blessing, and we're still learning these songs. But I can tell you this, we haven't said this much, and we haven't certainly said it enough, but the guy that's leading singing today, Kelly Ross, is the guy that really made that special. And he made it happen for us by helping us to learn these songs ahead of time, reminding us to try to teach them to each other, teaching them ourselves. He was the one who was leading us in those, and leading singing classes, leading singing nights, simply so that we could get everything we could out of that wonderful workshop and so that we would have a chance to be able to move forward and continue to work on these songs and develop these songs because these are songs that are very, very special to a whole generation of kids and adults that we're very, very concerned about. So Kelly, thank you, brother. I appreciate you, my friend, uh, very, very much. Uh, He, more than anyone else, uh, helped us to be ready and to appreciate and to get the most out of that wonderful workshop. Um, On Sunday mornings, we are going through the book of Philippians. We'll close this study out next week with the last half of Philippians chapter 4. But today we'll be in um, the first part of Philippians 4, and it's some of the most familiar scriptures in the New Testament, actually. Uh, There's one in Philippians 4.13 that we'll see next week, in context, by the way. But there are a few others that are in these first nine verses of Philippians 4 that we are going to look at. And before closing this epistle of joy, and that's what this is, this Philippians is an epistle of joy. Before closing it out, Paul gives several quick hits to summarize his message. These nine verses are really that. They're really a summary of what he said already and a little bit of uh, putting it all together in one concise passage. And that's a good thing because it's hard to live a joyful life today. As I titled this series from Philippians, that's what I titled it, Living a Joyful Life. And it's hard for us to do that today. And we forget sometimes, well, I wonder about uh, what is it that makes it so easy for the people in New Testament times versus me today in 21st century America. And we forget little things like history. (laughs) We forget little things like what was going on in their lives at the time. And we only have to consider the author of this letter and what he had been through and what he was going through at the time. Paul and his mission journeys had experienced all kinds of physical and emotional pain and punishment because of his faith. He had been stoned and left for dead. He had been beaten. He had been flogged. He had been in prison. And he was under house arrest in Rome at this time. And as we know from the very first chapter, he had already said, I'm not sure if I'm going to get out of this alive or not. And I'm good either way to live as Christ to die is gain. And so Paul recognized that and he realized that. And what Paul tells us is the outward external living circumstances that we're under today, they can't take away our joy unless, what? We let them. The only way they can take away our joy is if we forget the source of that joy and the purpose of our lives that we saw Last week in Philippians chapter 3. This is an epistle of joy. And before closing it out, Paul gives us this great summary in Philippians 4 verses 1 through 9. And see if you don't recall some of these verses. 
Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pause for prayer. Father, thank you for this great word. Thank you for your servant, Paul, that in the midst of the most difficult of circumstances as this world sees it, he had an unflinching joy and a desire, Father, to serve you faithfully and to share your word and your love and your joy with others. Help us, Father, to hear this words and to do the same today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So don't get scared that the sermon's going to be long. It's not, well, any longer than normal. That's how about that. Nine points I know is a lot, but I promise we're not going to dwell on each of them. We'll get there. We have Raising Cain's chicken to get to. Number one is stand firm faithfully. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Based on everything he's already said, stand firm in the way, in this way that I've talked to you about. And we think of that great passage in Ephesians 6 and the, uh, the, the armor of God. Stand firm and use these weapons, use this armor to stand firm and to do that exact thing. And Paul recognizes how hard this is. And, that, and he had already acknowledged that in chapter 1 when he said, hey... I'm not sure if I'm going to survive or not, but as we said earlier, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And I love the way Wade put it in the prayer. One foot in the world and one foot in the spiritual world. And if we had both feet in either world, it would be so much easier. (laughs) But that's not where we are right now. Where we are right now is one foot in this world and one foot in that spiritual world. And it puts us in conflict with everyone around us that doesn't share this faith. And it also puts us in conflict with ourselves. Because in this physical world, we have temptations and we have desires and we have things that are pulling us away from the call of God. Paul says, stand firm in the Lord in this way. He's going to use that phrase, in the Lord, a few times in this passage. Stand firm faithfully. In the Lord, be faithful throughout your life. Number two, unity, even in conflict. That's verses two and three. 
And boy, I want to tell you, I want to know the rest of the story here. I'm leading Paul Harvey to come and tell me about this conflict between these two godly Christian women leaders. Paul calls them his co-workers, Euodia and Syntyche. And for some reason or another, they were at odds with each other. I, I, I almost didn't even think that I should share this part of the passage because we don't have anything like that ever here at West Irwin with our workers. Never. That's a reality. You have two strong women here who are godly women, who are active Christian women, workers in the faith. And we don't know what their conflict is. I kind of want to (laughs) know. But we don't know because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just like ours. That's what it is. And Paul encourages his other co-worker, his companion, and we don't know exactly who that is either, along with Clement, and this is the only time he's mentioned in Scripture, and so we don't know who that is either. There's a historical Clement that was a Christian leader, but not sure that this is that one. And again, that doesn't matter. Help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Help them to be of the same mind in the Lord. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. And unity doesn't mean the absence of conflict. Everything I read today from those who work with churches and consult with churches and talk to church leaders, one of the marks that they have in common, always they say the mark of a healthy church, there are several of them, but one of them is always this. They handle and manage conflict in a healthy way. Not that they don't have conflict, but they handle it in a healthy way. And that's what Paul does here, and that's what he wants the church at Philippi to do, to deal with it directly. Seems like Jesus said somewhere, if you have trouble with a brother or sister, do what? Go on the internet and tell everyone. Start calling up all your friends and getting your team together that'll take your side. What does he say? If you have trouble with a brother or sister, what? Go to that person. And if that doesn't work, then you have permission to tell it. Nope. If that doesn't work, then you take a couple of trusted, faithful, humble servants with you. And you work it out. And that doesn't mean that you end up agreeing with each other. It doesn't mean that at all. If there's one thing that the letters in the New Testament tell us, it's that those churches had issues. And it never says that you should all believe the same exact theme on every significant, every specific, rather doctrinal issue. It says you need to have unity. And that's what Paul expresses here for Euodia and Syntyche. Unity, even in conflict. Even in conflict. Number three, joy. Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. This could be the theme verse of the passage of the book. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going your way. Rejoice in the Lord when the bank account is full. Rejoice in the Lord when the doctor comes back with good favorable news. Rejoice in the Lord when your political party is in power. Rejoice in the Lord Always, and let me tell you something about this word. In both cases, rejoice is in the imperative. It is commanded. 
We don't have the option to be sad, miserable Christians. <laughs> and it's a shame that the Holy Spirit thinks I've got to command them to do this, but that's where we are. That's where we are. And I realize I'm not sure that you can even command that. <laughs> Because it needs to be something that comes natural. If we believe everything that's gone on here already today. Everything Wade prayed about in that wonderful prayer. What Bill shared around the Lord's table. These wonderful songs. This wonderful amazing ministry that we're going to have the opportunity to be a part of next month. In this workshop. The joy that we saw in Tucker as he welcomed us. Every part of that. If we believe that. How can we not rejoice? And Paul tells us exactly how. To do this, rejoice what? In the Lord. In the Lord. We rejoice in the Lord. It's an imperative. We rejoice in the Lord no matter what. And again, if you haven't heard the sermon from last Sunday, go online and listen to that. Because it's from Philippians 3 and Paul says, This one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, what? I press on. I press on. That's our purpose, pressing on towards that heavenly home, that promise of heaven that Wade shared about in that prayer. If we have this forgiveness of sins, how can we not rejoice? How can we not rejoice? And I realize that most everyone in this room and perhaps watching online are people who have joy and people who rejoice. But can you do me a favor? Could you please tell your face? That would be really great. If everyone that sees you didn't think you had just lost your last friend. We can smile. Is it okay for Christians to smile? Is it okay for Christians to laugh? A lot of you laugh at my sermons. You don't laugh at the right times, I've noticed. We should be the most joyful people on the earth because we are the most blessed. We have that forgiveness of sins. We have that promise of heaven. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Number four is gentleness. Gentleness that people can see. It's also translated reasonableness, moderation, graciousness, forbearance. People see that in us and it's one of those difference makers as we've heard this morning already. It looks different because we're gentle. We're patient. We're gracious. Number five, prayer from verse six in every situation. Don't be anxious about anything, but instead, here's what you do instead of that. In every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, also known as pray. <laughs> Don't be anxious, pray. Now, let me tell you what this doesn't mean before I say what it does mean. It doesn't mean that if you'll just pray about it, everything will be better and all your troubles will go away. You want an example of that? The Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> Jesus prayed all night. And his earthly physical problems, the emotional pain he was about to go through, wasn't taken away. But it was replaced with joy, the writer of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him. He endured that pain and suffered that great loss for us. We are to pray in every situation. And what it does mean is that we trust God. You don't pray to somebody that's lesser than you. You pray to someone that's greater than you. And that one is God. And so we trust Him. We pray what Jesus told us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done. We pray what Jesus Himself prayed 
in the Garden of Gethsemane that night, thy will be done. I tell you, there's a lot of stuff I don't understand going on in the world today. And as I have prayed, I have found myself praying more and more and more. Dear God, may your will be done. And I don't know what in the world that is, but you do. And I trust you. Prayer in every situation. Peace beyond understanding. I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Yeah, we'll probably sing that at the next kid's time. Peace. You see that trust, that joy, that gentleness, that faithfulness, that prayer, that leads to peace. And it's the only place you can get it. Jesus says, I give you my peace. I don't give it like the world gives it. Because if they had looked at Jesus, if they had looked at the Apostle Paul, if they had looked at those early first century Christians, they would say, there's no way you can be at peace. Everybody's trying to kill you. But they had peace. Not as the world gives. Because that peace depends on what's going on around you. This peace doesn't. This peace is something that the Holy Spirit of God gives to us inside of our hearts that whatever's going on out there in the world can't take away, can't threaten can't budge this piece is not a denial of the difficulties nowhere in scripture would you get that idea if you would just read it but it is an affirmation that says in the midst of the difficult situation i am in i have peace that the world doesn't even understand Peace beyond understanding. Number seven, thoughts that are worthy. Thoughts that are worthy of praise. All those things in that verse, in verse eight, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about those things. Let me ask you, what do you think about these days? What's on your mind? What do you worry about? What are you anxious about? And you say, well, it's a lot of bad things, Bill. i got to admit, okay, how can I change that, Bill? Well, what comes in? (laughs) What are you letting in? Through TV, through radio, through the Internet, through uh, the podcast, through whatever it is, how can we let all of those things in and then not expect them to have an effect on us? Think about these things. Ask yourself, is is what I'm listening to, is what I'm watching, is what I'm doing right now, is that like this? Is that excellent or praiseworthy? Does it help me do these things better? And if the answer is no, stop it. Stop it. Number eight, actions. Belief put into practice. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. This Living With Loss workshop is a great example of that. Everywhere in the Old Testament and the New Testament, including the Gospels of Jesus Christ, the Lord commands us to take care of the widows and the orphans and others who are in need, in physical and emotional distress and difficult circumstances. Everywhere it's there. Here's a great opportunity for us to help those who are doing that and to find out how we can help them better. I hope you'll come to that and be a part of that. But that's just one way of so very many that this church puts our belief and our faith and our trust into practice. Faith without works is dead, the brother of Jesus said in James 2. We are to put our beliefs into practice. Actions. Number nine, assurance. And this is assurance that only the God of peace can give. And the God of peace will be with you. 
In a moment, we'll sing the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. And that's the only place you can find that blessed assurance. And that's from Jesus Christ. Bill shared as we gathered around the table that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us who did not deserve it is a great demonstration of his love. Exactly what Paul says in Romans 5. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How can we not have assurance when the Son of God did something so wonderful for us? Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Only the God of peace can give that assurance. So before we close, let's sum up Paul's summary. How about that? Instead of nine points, let's just do three. Number one, be joyful. Be joyful. Let's all practice. Ready? (laughs) Be joyful. Be joyful. Some of you have pretty good smiles. A few of you, in the eight years I've been here, it's the first time I... No, I'm not going to say that. Be joyful. Number two, be prayerful. Be prayerful. Instead of worrying, instead of being scared and frightened, pray. And then worry and be scared and frightened, but not as badly. Because you found peace. Number three is thrive in God's peace. Thrive in God's peace. Let's say those together out loud. Are you ready? Be joyful. Be prayerful. Thrive in God's peace. I don't think some of you believe me that I really wanted you to say that out loud. Okay, let's try it again. Ready? One more time. Are you ready? Be joyful. Be prayerful. Thrive in God's peace. Not just survive. If we're dependent upon the world, that's all we can do. That's the best we can hope for is survive. But in Jesus Christ, we can thrive. Whatever the circumstances. We are promised His presence, which is what makes all this possible. And the God of peace will be with you. That's how this passage ends. Jesus said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We hear in other places, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This morning, if you need that peace, if you need that joy, if you need what we're going to sing about, that blessed assurance, because you need Jesus, we want to help. Come as we stand. Sing this great hymn together. Blessed assurance, Jesus is
not sing that song and not smile. Blessed assurance. All right, we're going to be singing all to us. And this song is all about Jesus and what he is to us. So if you would, please smile while you're singing. It's a wonderful song. Precious Father, first we want to thank you for your son who came to this earth 
and died on this cruel cross for our sins, for all of our sins, Lord, and given us an avenue of prayer to you. Lord, we thank you for Brother Bill who comes each week here and breaks the bread of life to us and teaches us a little more about the scriptures and puts it in his own words so greatly. Lord, thank you for our elders, our deacons, those behind the scenes that are working here at the church to keep everything running smoothly. Lord, we know we have people here today that are hurting. We know that they have family members that are hurting. We just ask that you'd uh, give them the strength to ask for help and prayers because we can't pray for them if they don't let us know that they're hurting. Lord, thank you for the men and women that are protecting us in the military, for our first responders that that work so diligently to take care of us and our family members, Lord. Lord, we pray for those who are sick of this congregation and those that are sick that are not here today. We ask that you bless them and encourage them and be with the doctors and nurses who are taking care of them. Lord, we just take this time now to bless the food that we're about to receive and bless the hands that has prepared it. Guide, guard, direct us in everything that we say and do and be with us this week and strengthen us and watch over all of us and keep us safe. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.